Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. What's up, everybody? It is Zane Naffy back with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. And boy, do we have a special show for you today. Uh, we do have a special announcement for you first uh, before we get down to business. Um, as some of you may have heard, um, Rob Stats Guerrera has moved on uh, to Niners Nation. Uh, he has a great opportunity there um, with those guys and um, to, to produce and, and host his own podcast. And I think that's, that's super great. Um, you know, Rob came on and wanted to join the show and make this a three-headed monster during the season. And, you know, I was like, man, I, I love him as a guest and I loved when he came on and we had really good chemistry and, um, you know, really sad to, to, to lose him, but it's kind of bittersweet because he gets a great opportunity um, over at Niners Nation. I'm super happy about that. Um, so uh, thank you to Rob. Um, thank you so much, man. And, and if you're listening, uh, it was a, a pleasure working with you and definitely am going to support your stuff. And uh, and definitely going to reach out to you whenever I want to rant about uh, the the Niners over the next uh, few seasons and everything. But um, yeah, so great. Good luck to Rob. And um, the other thing is Levin is also um, kind of doing his own thing now. So, um, you know, having those guys on was really fun, like making it a three man show. We'd never seen that before, at least on this show. And I feel like we did a really good job with the three of us. And um, it's challenging at times, but. That being said, like I feel like all of our personalities brought something different to the show. Like Levin always had, um, you know, his his opinions that he was very staunchly kind of in favor of, and he always had good favor, good um, uh, things backing that those opinions up, and and good counterpoints to all of the points that we had. And I think that it added a really really cool element to the show. Um, plus, he went to school for broadcasting too, right? So I think that you know whatever he moves on to next um, will be hopefully more in line with what uh, what he wants to do as a as a career, but. Uh, Levin was awesome to work with. It was me and him after, uh, you know, after Al split. And then, uh, we kind of made the show, uh, into a three headed monster until, until now. And with that, everybody, I mean, we, I have another special announcement. So I was thinking, what, what are we going to do with the show? Um, the producer, David and I were talking about this and we we're like, what are we going to do? We're going to call in what's going to happen. Like with, am I going to solo this? Are we going to have tryouts? Are we going to have fans come in and you know, I gave this guy a call and this guy was like, I don't know, like he's got a shady character. He kind of flaky, but like, he was like, I don't know if I want to do this or not. I had to twist his arm and Hey man, like, why don't you speak to the people and, and just kind of say hi to them? You know, I'll tell you what, Zane, did you call me flaky? <laughs> the, sh- the shady, the shady part you had, right. Well, I, ho- I hope, I hope most people recognize my voice. Um, El Sacco, I started the show with Zane. What's Zane? 2000, right before Shanahan came in, right? It was like That's when we started. Yeah, it was, like it was right before the Shanahan and Lynch era began and, and Zane and I started this and, and uh, about a year and a half ago, I did just decided, you know, I was a little bit burnt out and had to walk away, but I am back. Um, definitely going to be fun to do this with Zane. Like I said, it's been about, been about a year and a half off. Hope most of you are familiar with me, but if you're not, um, I've been with the web zone for a while. I mean, I've been lurking in the background with the web zone for years now. Um, past year and a half, I was with KMBR for about six months covering the Niners. And now in addition to what I do with the web zone, I also work for fourth and nine with our buddy Dylan D. Simone and, I'll be doing some writing for them this season, as well as the podcast with Zane. And I, I'm just, I'm really pumped to be back here. I'm really pumped to be able to talk Niners with you guys again. And listen, Zane and I were talking before the show and look, everything is scary right now. Everything is weird. Everybody knows what's going on. It's, it's a scary time right now. And look, we can't totally ignore Corona because it's, it's going to affect 
the football season. But Zane and I are here to try to bring you as much normalcy and as much fun and as much football as possible. And that's what we're going to try to concentrate on here on the show. And obviously, if something happens to the coronavirus that affects the season, we're going to talk about that. But but we want to concentrate on 49ers football mostly here. And we're, we're pumped to talk about it. And Zane, getting right into it. After the, after the people have gotten over the shock of hearing my voice again, get, <laughs> getting, right in, getting right into it. The Niners made two what could end up being pretty big role player signings this week, bringing in Jordan Reed. Um, we'll start off with him, actually. Now, we all know oh, the Niners have a super tight end in, in George Kittle, the best tight end in the game, the best all-around tight end. But bringing in Jordan Reed is, Reed is intriguing for me because of what he could bring in for the offense. He's got some familiarity with Kyle Shanahan. and. He spent his rookie year with Shanahan, actually, in uh, I believe it was 2013 with the Redskins. Um, and he had a terrific season for a rookie tight end, 54 catches, 558 yards. It's great for a rookie tight end. And, and Reed's best season was in 2015. Recaught 87 balls, 952 yards, and 11 TDs. It's a big-time season for a tight end. Now, he's not that guy anymore. And part of the reason for that is injuries. He, he played six games in 2017, 13 in 2018. He did not play last year. so. The way I look at this signing is that can't hurt, and it could help a lot. He could end up doing a lot for the Niners in the red zone. Um, I would love the idea of seeing him and Kittle on the field together, and I thought this was a great low-risk, high-reward signing. What did you think about this? So this is one of those areas where the Niners in the past haven't had the luxury of being able to do this sort of thing because they've just been trying to fill out their roster. So to me, when you're getting vets on like these cheap deals that come in, like DJ Reed and the other the other signing, which I don't want to spoil for the listeners if you haven't been listening, if you haven't been uh, watching uh, social media and the transaction wire, but they haven't had the opportunity to do this in a long time. And part of it is obviously because of the cap, and, and they're uh, kind of strapped with with the salary cap uh, coming coming down because of COVID. But that being said, like I, I really like Jordan Reed as a as like a role playing tight end and. I know he's had several concussions. I know that a lot of people are like, this guy should not be playing. And he's one hit away from being retired forever. And I'm like, you know, that's while that's true at the same time, he's going to give it a shot and he's going to try to play. And if he does try to play, you have to hope for the best. And and the best of Jordan Reed is pretty good. And even if they can get, I don't know, like 60% of what Jordan Reed used to be, I think that's still pretty useful because the Niners Al. Uh, it, there was a statistic that's put out in terms of uh, formations. And I don't know if you've seen this, but when the Niners play uh, out of two tight end sets, like the two tight end, one running back set, uh, they're one of the best. Jimmy's one of the best quarterbacks in the league at that uh, in terms of uh, his QB rating and completion percentage. He's really, really good out of that formation. And I think that what the Niners want to try to do is similar to what they had in New England, where you had kind of like a positionless sort of offense where you have multiple tight ends on the field at the same time or multiple running backs or all of your running backs or anybody basically that can catch and run with the ball is going to be on the field at the same time. Um, you won't have specific guys that are like, Oh, this guy's a blocking tight end, or this guy's a, you know, power running back or something like that. Like new England doesn't really have that. Right. And the reason why I'm comparing it to the Patriots is because this is the system that Jimmy learned in. He, this, he was brought up in this system and you have to think that he's comfortable with that system as well. And I think that, uh, and I do want to get into Jimmy's knee later on, but I think that, when you add guys like Jordan Reed that can that is basically like a basketball player playing football with the way that he moves, uh, it adds another element to your offense. Uh, you remember Delaney Walker and what he did with with Vernon Davis. I'm not comparing like prime Delaney Walker to like seven concussion post seven concussion Jordan Reed, but I'm saying that the effect that it had on defenses to stress to stress them out vertically 
and uh, to be able to open things up underneath for the other guys to work was huge. And I think that when you have Alec, think about this in the red zone, you have Kendrick Bourne, first of all, has been amazing in the red zone. He's one of the best receivers in the red zone and targeted over the last two seasons, 11 times he has 10 touchdowns in the red zone, which is awesome. So if you have Bourne as your receiver, you've got any combination of Kittle, uh, guys like Jalen Hurd, uh, Jordan Reed, you even have Juwan Jennings as a big slot, Trent Taylor, Debo, Ayuk, any combination of these guys, Jarek McKinnon, having them on the field at the same time, it just adds another weapon for Jimmy to throw to. And I think that Kyle Shanahan's finally getting those guys that he wants that fits his system. Remember, Jordan Reed obviously played in, in Kyle Shanahan's system in Washington, right? He's getting finally that collection of players that he can use. Yeah, when you could bring in those cheap vets to help out, especially on a team that's ready to win now and contribute, it, it, it's definitely a big signing for them. And the other guy they brought in was a pass rusher, Deion Jordan. And I'm not surprised that they did this at all because if you look at the defense right now, obviously we have Ford and Bosa. Those guys are studs. They're going to be on the edge. And Ronald Blair is coming off a major injury. So as good as Blair has been, you really don't know what, what we're going to get or it could take him a while before he gets up to speed. So they were looking at Ziggy Ansah, who when I saw that name, I said, oh, that makes a lot of sense because Martin Mayhew drafted him in New York and uh, Chris Kosarek, um, if I said that name right, sorry, um, Niners defensive line coach, um, worked with him in Detroit. Saw that name and said, wow, that, he makes a lot of sense. He had a couple of huge seasons with the Lions, 14 and a half sacks one year, 12 sacks another year. And I thought for sure <laughs> that was going to be the guy, but it's not for whatever reason, whether it was money, whether it's Ansah's not completely healthy or whether they just like Deion Jordan more they bring in Jordan and Jordan has a ton of talent. You know, he was what a top three pick was it in 2013? He top five, top five pick, whatever it was in 2013, but he, he hasn't really done much. He was with Miami for those couple seasons. He had three total sacks in two years, 26 games, three total sacks. He missed um, all of 2015 for uh, violating the substance abuse. And then he bounced around with Seattle for a couple of years and then Oakland, and he's got 10 and a half career sacks in 50 career games. So, you know, he, he, he certainly has talent and we'll see what he can do for the Niners, you know, in a, as a role player. But we, we saw what happened last year when the defense got tired and they got banged up. Pashra suffered. So it's, it's good to have someone else that they're bringing in like this to help out. And, you know, if he plays 10, 12 snaps a game and he can get some pressures, great. Let's go. Let's see what he can do. Yeah, Deion Jordan is a guy that, uh, I, again, I was on the Ziggy Ansah sort of thing. I was like, well, he's been connected to the 49ers for a couple of years now, even before he went to Seattle. The Niners were were interested because of uh, the D line coach and Martin Mayhew and the familiarity there. But when they signed Deion Jordan, I was like, okay, well, I can I get that because he's he's one of those guys. Like Ansa was playing last year and and he had a hurt shoulder and he's he's not one of those guys that can stay completely healthy. And I think right now they want the guy that they feel like can stay healthier because then that depth really comes into really comes into play. If a guy can't stay healthy, he's not he's not any good to you. Um, I find it hilarious that, that they picked him from, picked him up from Seattle as well. I think that's pretty, that's pretty funny <laughs> that it's kind of the reverse of what Pete Carroll used to do to, to the Niners, uh, back in the day. But I think that I, I envision a line where on passing downs, like, I don't know, that third and 15 play in the Super Bowl where Mahomes threw deep to Tyree Kill and there was a blatant hold and, uh, the Niners in the wrong coverage and they, uh, flip momentum in that game on that play. Yeah. That play I would see, I would like to see all of the pass rushers on the field at the same time. Like you would have Ford, Bosa, uh, Deion Jordan and Armstead, basically like all rushing the passer at that point. And I think that he brings a lot in terms of a, a spot duty sort of pass rusher, a guy that can eat up snaps. Cause look, D Ford, we know is on, is on borrow a time with that knee. It's got, he's got, te- he's got Arthur. It's what is an arthritic knee. Al? 
or is it tendonized? What is it? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's our critic or tendonized or what it is, but he's, there's definitely some issues there. Yeah. So he's, he's basically playing on borrowed time at this point, right? Like there's any, any point in the season where he can flare up. So you have to limit his snaps. And when he was playing, he was effective. And as you said, when he went out, both those numbers dropped off too. So I think that when they can have multiple pass rushers kind of step in and, and play that role, Ronnie Blair is a, fa- is a fantastic feeling as a pass rusher. Um, when you have guys like that, um, you're able to rotate your scheme and not lose very much. And I think that that depth means a lot on the defensive line because that means that Bosa doesn't play as much, D4 doesn't play as much, and they can shift things around, especially even with Kinlaw in there as well. You don't have to really take him off the field. Throw Deion Jordan in there and you're, you're okay. So I like the signing, low risk, high reward. Um, it's, it's a veteran presence. And it's a guy that's going to be hungry. So, and it's a guy that knows that Seattle scheme as well too, right? So he's playing in the scheme. So I, I, I like that signing. Yeah. And Ford does have that chronic knee issue. He's hoping to, um, to be able to be able to get that in the past and, and stay on the field more this season. And speaking of Seattle, did, did you see this DJ Reed thing? Isn't that the funniest thing? Like this is circa Harbaugh days where the teams were going tit for tat guy playing, plucking, useless guys off of the roster, injured guys off the roster. Isn't that the weirdest thing? Yeah, and it's, it's Reed. You know, you don't think this year, obviously, he was hurt. He's probably not going to be on the field until November. But it's next year to have a versatile guy like that when you have all these free agents for the Niners in the secondary. Yeah. Richard Sherman, um, Kella Witherspoon. It's, to have a guy like Reed kind of cross guitar, to have a guy like Reed back there that can fill in, um, just be a versatile guy in the secondary back there. And he could have been someone that could have helped last year. And then Seattle comes in and swoops them up. It was tough to hold a roster spot for him this year, obviously, but um, you know, he definitely would have been someone that, that, that would have been good to have. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see um, what happens. And, and we're going to talk about the defense more next show, but what happens more with, with the secondary and, and what they're going to do moving forward. But one thing that makes me feel good, Zane, about whatever is going to happen is that this team now has continuity. And we know that they're going to have continuity for the next, what, five years because of the extensions for Kyle Shanahan and most recently now the extension for John Lynch. And what we've seen from those two guys, Shanahan and Lynch took over a team that had 2-14, and 14, worst roster in the NFL, arguably, stripped it down to nothing, brought in some vets just to get them by the first year as they were building the team up, building the team up. You know, your, your Brian Hoyers, your Pierre Garçons, guys. Guys to just get Malcolm Smith, guys to just get you by for a couple of years while they were building the team up through the drafts and then some, some through some big free agent um, and offseason acquisitions, ultimately to get in year three, year three to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable turnaround. R- regardless of how that Super Bowl ended, unbelievable turnaround to get to where they were. And for the Niners to say, you know, these guys had three years left on their deal. They didn't have to extend them, but the Niners to say, okay, continuity is key. Let's make a point here. Let's lock these guys up and to have Shanahan and Lynch locked up for the next five years. It, it's, it's, it's great for this franchise and for a franchise that's gone through all these head coaches and all these GMs and, and, and just really for the most part, a miserable 21st century until recently. It's, it, it's good to see this and, and they learned from their mistakes with Harbaugh. They had a good head, head coach. Things got ugly with the GM and they probably made the wrong decision or maybe they didn't. Harbaugh's a little crazy. But it's good to see now that they recognize what they have with these two guys and Jed York or whoever, Denise York, whoever made the decision, decided to lock these people up and, and the Niners are going to be in good shape for the next five years. I think with the teams that are really successful, they, they reward people that do really well. And I think that 
the Jim Harbaugh thing really took a toll on Jed York. Obviously it did because so many changes happened after that. And I think he's, he's actually learned a lot from that experience. Uh, that was, it's, it was 2020 now 2014, basically Harbaugh was out the door right before that season started. That was six, seven years ago. And I think he's, he's learned a lot in those seven years and he's seen the success that Kyle Shannon and John Lynch have had. Like this team was, was DOA basically like every game that they played when, before Kai Shanahan got here. And even in that first season, we knew that they were not going to be competitive. And then you throw, you throw in a little bit of luck with getting Bosa after Jimmy Torres ACL and you throw a little bit of gas on the fire in terms of the rebuilding fire uh, with that trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. And look, those two moves have completely changed this franchise for a long time. And people will argue that the impact of, of John Lynch and whether he actually pulls strings for these things or not. But I mean, like, you have to understand that John Lynch has a lot of respect around the league and specifically from guys like Bill Belichick. Um, he would not have been able to pull off that Emmanuel Sanders trade last year. Had he not had respect from the Broncos, like these things go a long way. If people don't like you as a GM and don't like dealing with you, they're not going to people didn't like Trent Valky. Nobody liked him. They didn't like him in the building. They didn't like him out of the building because he was a difficult person. To deal with. He was an abrasive personality. He was a person that was, was ripe with arrogance and he should not have been a GM and, and the 49ers paid the price for that. Um, in dealing with other teams. So I think that showing this show of support or having to show a support from the the ownership and from um, upper management to say like, hey, we're going to reward these guys and they deserve it after a Super Bowl berth. Um, it kind of shows that number one, they've changed. Number two, like like you said, there's going to be a lot of continuity here. And and as a player who's who's looking to sign with the team, you want to see that. You want to see like a lame duck coach who's like coaching in his last year and he may or may not be there. You want to see a guy who's locked up for like four or five years because you will then sign a deal for yourself for four or five years and then be locked up yourself. Um, you, nobody wants to go through multiple coaches in multiple years, but really, I like, I remember the first show that we did, I think, or one of the first shows that we did was shortly after Kyle Shannon was hired. Um, or I, I don't remember when it was, it was like 2016, I believe. And like Earl Mitchell was like the first signing for them yep. uh, when they were trying to rebuild yep. the roster. And I think that was like the first or second show. And you and I talked about this, like back then, like they're trying to rebuild this roster basically from the studs, uh, ripping it down to the studs and like kind of basically building up for there. And they did. And I thought that it would take them four years to basically become a contender. It took them three. And for that, like, I'm, I'm so thankful. Like the Niners would have a Super Bowl championship. Like I love Kyle Shanahan. I think he's the best coach for the job and he's my favorite coach that the Niners have had since Steve Mariucci. And I think that he's going to win multiple Super Bowls, but I mean, like, had he managed that game right at the end, they would have won this one as well. Right. Despite that, I think that he's done such an amazing job with this team and he deserves every single uh, ounce of credit that he gets. You mentioned Jimmy G and Zane and I want to go over the offense in today's show. Um, just kind of do a preview of where they stand in every position on the offense and how they're looking going into the season. I want to start with Garoppolo and I haven't really had a chance to, tweeted it out. I've written a little bit about it, but I haven't really had a chance to speak on what I think of Jimmy Garoppolo, who's been a lightning rod of criticism, especially since the Super Bowl. And I don't think people are looking at him rationally. I, I, I just don't. I'm going to break down stats of Garoppolo. I'm going to break down a lot of different things. But the way that I feel about him overall is that he's a quarterback with the arrow pointed up. So let's look at what he did. Last season was his first full year starting and he did so coming off a major knee injury it was his first season 
And how did he do? Yards per attempt, 8.4 is the third best in, in, the, in the NFL. 102 rating, eighth best. Completion percentage, 69.1%. That's fourth best. Bad throw percentage, 13.7. That was fourth best. On target percentage, 80.7%. That was fourth best. TD passes, 27, the most of any 49ers quarterback since Jeff Garcia. That was fifth best in the league. Passing yards, he was 12th, almost two for 4,000 yards. Again, no one since Jeff Garcia has had that many passing yards. He was tied for the first most fourth quarter comebacks. He was tied for the second most game-winning drives. Zane, did you know, so of quarterbacks with at least 20 starts, including the playoffs, Jimmy Garoppolo has the highest winning percentage in the NFL at 793. He's 23 and six. No one has a higher winning percentage. And, and check, okay, listen to this. He has less regular season starts than Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen and as many as Sam Darnold. Would anybody say those people are finished products? A- no. Anyone? That would be crazy, right? Crazy, mm-hmm. right, to say that. So he did everything in the regular season you would want him to do from a quarterback. He did everything Kyle Shanahan asked of him. And his critics will say, well, well, his intended air yards, you know, 31st in the league, he, he was throwing short. Well, that's what Kyle Shanahan asked him to do. This offense, and we'll talk more about it with the receiver when we talk about the receivers and, and the tight ends. This offense is built to catch the ball and run after the catch. They're not, they're not a chuck it downfield offense. They need an accurate quarterback to get the ball in space and let the receivers run. And Jimmy did that beautifully during the regular season. Now, was he perfect? No. Where did he struggle? Struggled with turnovers. He had 19 regular season turnovers, 13 interceptions. His interception percentage was 25th in the league. And, and we all watch the games. Jimmy would be 12 of 14 in cruising, and then he throws into triple coverage, right? It was, it was a bad Jimmy throw. And you're like, what, did, what is he doing? What, what, what did he see there? And there was a lot of that. And, and people will say, well, a lot of interceptions bounced off receivers' hands. That's true. But there were also a lot of interceptions that bounced off defenders' hands. Excuse me. <laughs> defenders' hands. I can't think of how many that should have been picked off that weren't. So that probably kind of balanced out. That's okay. Again, I expect that out of a young quarterback. I expect turnovers. When you look at the Niners, averaged almost 30 a game. I believe it was the third most in franchise history of the season. The points scored for them. Clearly, the offense was working. So he had a sensational, sensational regular season, I thought, all things considered. So why the criticism? Well, let's look at the playoffs. I love Jimmy. I'm a Jimmy defender. I think he's going to have a great season. I think he's just going to get better. But in the playoffs, he struggled. He did. You look at the Minnesota game, he was as sharp as can be in that first drive. And then he took a big hit. Did that affect him? It, it might have. But after that, he was really shady and he had really shaky. And he had an interception and he could have had a couple more. And Shanahan did take the ball out of his hands in that game at the end. I don't think that you could argue that. At the end of the game, he, Shanahan concentrated on the run and they just kind of pounded that game away. Then that is the championship game. People can make an argument either way. When you're running like that, of course, you're going to keep running the ball. But again, he almost threw an interception in the first quarter um, in Green Bay territory. And that's when, again, they kind of started to pull the reins back a little bit. And okay, if you're going to make the argument they didn't need to throw, okay. But still, for the casual fan who sees that, the fan who didn't follow the 49ers all season, they're going to look at it and say like, oh, well, they don't want him to throw. Why isn't he throwing? They didn't watch the team all year. So he goes into the Super Bowl with a lot of heat on him. And can he get the job done? And statistically, the first three quarters, he looked, Good statistically. I mean, he had that awful interception in the first half, which is inexcusable. It was an inexcusable throw. 
but he also had a great throw to Kittle that got called back on a, on a ticky tack pass interference call that I don't know why you would call since they did called nothing all game. I don't know why you call that, but that's neither here nor there right now. So, so if that pass happens are you know, are, are we even talking about any of this? Maybe not. But if, if you look at some of those statistics in the, through the first two quarters, yeah, he had good statistics, but that doesn't really mean he was making the right throw. And I'm going to give you an example. It was third down, I believe it was third and seven. It was the dr- the first drive at the end of the, the the end of the half. So the first drive of the third quarter, driving the ball. It's third and seven, and Jimmy takes a check down to Tevin Coleman. It's fourth down. They have kicked field goal. If you watch that play, George Kittle's wide open, and mm-hmm. Jimmy kind of looks at him and doesn't throw. And there were a number of plays like that. And Brian Baldinger did a great job on Twitter, and I tweeted out recently too of showing a lot of these plays. And in the fourth quarter, Shanahan took a lot of sack for not running the ball. And he shot, I would have run the ball a little bit more if I was him. But if you look at these plays, they were there. And on a lot of plays, Jimmy did not make the right read. Um, there was a play that got knocked down by Chris Jones. What are you going to do? Jones made a great play, but there were other plays that Garoppolo didn't make a great read. Now, does that define him? No, because I think he's going to get a lot better. But certainly, he, he did not play his best football in the playoffs. I do think he's going to get another chance. If you want my personal opinion on him, I think he's going to be the MVP conversation this year. I, I really believe that. I think he's going to have that good of a year. But what I see from him is a quarterback who has the arrow pointed up, who had a could have had a better playoffs. He was he was, he was shaking in the playoffs. But overall, Zane, I think the Niners are in great hands at the quarterback position moving forward. Yeah, I think we could do like Jimmy's such a polarizing quarterback, and it's funny to say that because the guy has only been starting for a year, and he largely helped them get to the Super Bowl. And I think one of the things that uh, you left out was that after. Quine Alexander Jaquaski Tart went down in the middle of the season last year. The defense was just a, a total turnstile. Like it was not anything near the dominant force it was for the first half of the season. They were bottom half of the league for that time. And the Niners went six and two during that time. And the two losses were basically by uh they they were the 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 Baltimore game, which Kaj Yanham probably should have kicked a field goal and fourth and one or gone for it um, instead of punting. And the uh the the the, Air, the Atlanta game here in San Francisco, which I mean, coincidentally that I was at, and the defense just totally had a brain fart at the end and let Julio Jones had a free release off the line and he ended up scoring a touchdown by an inch to win the game. So to me, the the criticism that he gets is kind of unfair because if you look at the body of work, like look, people compare him to Aaron Rodgers and like, oh, it's the Aaron Rodgers situation where you sat behind a Hall of Famer. For multiple seasons, he came into another team, and now he's a starting quarterback. And and now let's see what he does. Well, Aaron Rodgers didn't win his first Super Bowl until his, after his third full year of starting, and that was his fifth. That was sorry, his uh, yeah, that was his eighth year in the league. So, you know, this is one of those situations where we have to be patient with Jimmy. Like he's not even thirty years old yet. He said that himself is that he feels like he's not even in. He's kind of not even hit the peak of his play yet. Uh, as as quarterback's prime usually lasts longer than other uh, than other teams does but that being said like the point you make about the playoffs is it's it is correct they did take the ball out of his hands like he the interception they threw against minnesota what was it i think he threw it threw it to kendrick's i think it was just such a bad throw like he was trying i don't know if he was trying to loft it over him or what it was he threw it right to him and for whatever reason jimmy was not seeing the field well field well in the playoffs like you go from that Seattle game in Seattle where Jimmy was just like throwing dimes left and right. He was unstoppable in that game. He played so well in that game. You go from that game and then two weeks later, I don't know what happened if the knee was bothering him or what it was, but against Minnesota, he just, 
the, the first drive, he was great. But then after that, like you said, like he was trying to throw that Kendricks pick all game. There were several other throws that he, he forced into double coverage, triple coverage that should have been picked that he didn't, that, that he got lucky on, but he was trying to throw that pick. And against Green Bay, the same thing. He was trying to throw a pick and Kashan is like, no, I'm not going to do this. And even this in the Super Bowl, they, they, Pared down their play calling to to call a lot of plays, like a lot of bubble screens, a lot of uh, pick plays at the line of scrimmage, things like that, to make reads easy for him. And then for some reason, Kyle Shanahan wants to get into a track meet in the fourth quarter and trust this quarterback who has not seen the field properly for multiple weeks to go win a game against the best offense in the game, uh, which I don't understand. But that's well, that's a, a conversation for another time. But with 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 regard to Jimmy and the way that he's playing, like you have to think that the knee had an effect on him. Like the first thing that I saw this off season when they, when they had Camp 49ers in uh, Nashville, Camp Jimmy, was that he took the, the knee brace was off of the left knee. And he came out this week and he said that uh, during media sessions and said that the knee definitely feels like night and day from last year to this year. And he feels like he can do, the knee can do everything that, that he needs it to do now. And Al, if you look back to 2017, those five games where he was basically led, setting the league on fire, the way that he was moving in the pocket, the way he was escaping, the way he was dropping back, the way he was stepping into his throws, everything was different. He looked like a different quarterback. Clearly, to me, clearly the knee was an issue. Kyle Shanahan knew it was an issue. He tried to hide it by his by his his wonderful play design and play calling. There's nobody better in the league at doing that than Kyle Shanahan. And ultimately, like it it ended up catching up to him because you can only hide it for so long. Jimmy was not the same mobile quarterback that we're used to seeing. Like in the Super Bowl, there's so many times where I'm just like, yo, like just. Why didn't you have like a half roll bootleg on the Chris Jones play? Like, you know, he's been killing Ben Garland up the middle and, and Mike person up the middle, you know, he's been killing them and a little half roll to the right would have opened enough space for him to see that throwing lane to Kittle who's already open and it's either a touchdown or a long gain and you win the game. So to me, like, I think that there were some things that they could have done to make the reads easier for him in the Super Bowl. Um, one example is like, if you look at the way that they played the Pittsburgh game, the last drive when they, when they took the lead. And the, the way that they played the Arizona game here and the way that they, they call the plays on those two drives, the amount of we're going to take what you give us throws, like checkdowns to receivers and running backs and things like that, like where there's nobody around them and just letting them kind of like move four or five yards at a time. Like that's what they really should have been doing at the end of the Super Bowl. Like I don't care if you're going to throw it, but you really don't need to throw it 20 yards downfield when it's like a third and five. And that's essentially what Kajiana was asking Jimmy to do. So I think that the blame is kind of shared, but people can't get around the fact that, that Jimmy's still a growing quarterback. And that's just what we do. Al, like we complain about our quarterbacks in San Francisco. Like we're not, we're never happy with right. anybody happy, happy with Steve young and happy with Garcia happy with Alex Smith happy with Kaepernick. And now Jimmy's the next one. Yeah. I think they're going to be in good shape with him. Uh, I do. And in and, and good shape behind it with Nick Mullins. I think Nick Mullins is in a lot of ways, a, a kind of a poor man's Garoppolo, but he, he can get the job done too. Um, you know, when, Played. He was what twenty three years old when he made those starts, and he put up some really good numbers for Shanahan. And I, I have, if something does happen to Jimmy, I, I do have confidence that Mullins can come in and, and, and do well too. I do want to say this before we move on to the running backs. I'm in no way saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is as talented as Aaron Rodgers, but just in the context of what we're talking about in terms of how quarterbacks can improve, Jimmy Garoppolo's first twenty six starts compared to Aaron Rodgers' first twenty six starts completion percentage. Garoppolo's at sixty seven point seven. Rodgers is, was at sixty four. Yards per game, Garoppolo's 259.9, Rodgers was 262.5. Yards per attempt, Garoppolo 8.38, Rodgers 7.78. TD passes, Garoppolo 43, Rodgers 47. Interceptions, 
and this is the big point here, Garoppolo 21, Aaron Rodgers 18. Aaron Rodgers had almost as many interceptions as Garoppolo did in the first 26 starts, and, and Aaron Rodgers kind of stopped throwing interceptions after that. <laughs> they go, what is the guy, so two or three a year now? Mm-hmm. He, so it can happen. You can get, and I think, I think Jimmy's, Jimmy's going to be there too. Um, also, team record in that span, uh, Garoppolo 21 and 5, Rodgers was 12 and 14. Mm. Zane, I'm going to ask you a question as we moved on here. Three 49ers this century, okay, so since the year 2000, including the playoffs, have scored 15 TDs or more in a season. Can you name them? Uh, including the playoffs? The spot here. Oh, yeah, including the playoffs. Three Niners, 15 TDs or more in a season. Okay, Vernon Davis has done it at least once. He had 13 he touchdowns. Yeah, Vernon Davis done, has done it once. Playoffs. Yep, yep. Uh, 15 TDs, God, uh, since 2000? Yep. Uh, T.O.? Yep. Okay, and uh, God, um, it's not Bourne. Bourne had only five. Um, who had a lot of touchdowns? We're talking running back then. Mostert, Mostert, Mostert. <laughs> there you go, buddy. Yep. <laughs> Mostert yeah. had 15 touchdowns last year, including the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now, when people say, oh, it's Kyle Shanahan's offense, anybody can do it. I'm going to throw, you know, I love the numbers. I'm going to throw more numbers out at you, okay? Under Kyle Shanahan, 49ers running backs. Yards per carry, Rahi Mostert, 6.1. Matt Breida, and this is including playoffs. Mostert, 6.1. Breida, 4.9. Coleman, 4.1. Jeff Wilson, 4.0. Alfred Morris, 3.9. Carlos Hyde, 3.9. The next closest running back to Rahi Mostert is Breida at 4.9. It's 1.2 yards per carry more, Mostert. Every running back does not do what Rahi Mostert did. Rahi Mostert had a gigantic year for them. Total is Shanahan. He's got 230 carries, 1,399 yards in total TDs. Mostert, a beast. An absolute beast last year. And I'm glad that the Niners made him happy with his contract because I didn't think he was asking for two. You know, it's one thing if he came out and was like, I want a four-year, $32 million contract. Get out of here. He didn't say that. He just wanted to be paid comparable to the guys with him, Tevin Coleman and and all the money that they gave Jerry McKinnon who has yet to really do anything. But this running back room, again, it's, I, I think they're going to be fine there. Mostert, I would like to see get at least 200 carries this year. I know that they're going to do running back by committee, but I just think Mostert is that good. He's that good in this offense. I'd love to see him get the bulk of the carries. and We'll see beyond that. Coleman had some really good games last year and then not, some not-so-good games. He really only had a couple good games during the regular season. Um, the game against Carolina, and there was one other game where he had 97 yards. Other than that, he, he did not play well during the regular season. Now, he did in the playoffs. He had a pretty good playoffs. He had a really strong game against Minnesota. So he came back around. Um, and obviously the wild card here is going to be Jarek McKinnon. Can he actually show them anything? Can he get on the field? I don't think he's going to get a lot of carries, but can they use him as a pass catcher? Now, I'm a big Jeff Wilson guy, too. I think Wilson, if they needed him to come in and, and run well, he can do that. And we certainly know he can do it in the goal line. going to be tough with some of the rookies this year, but with no preseason games to see what they have. So I think the Niners are going to rely on Mostert, Coleman, and Wilson, and and McKinnon there, Zane. Yeah, I wait first before I before I uh, go any further. Wasn't Mostert on our show at at some point? Did you interview him? No, I interviewed Wilson, Jeff Wilson. Oh, you interviewed Jeff Wilson. Okay, okay, that's yeah, what it was. He's a really cool. He's a really cool guy, by the way. He was, he was a great interview. But never had Mostert on. Yeah, wish we did yeah. now, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I I am of the same sort of mindset with Mostert. I think that first of all, any running back that the Shanahan's and Bobby Turner coached basically can become a star and I'm not taking anything away from Raheem Mostert or uh, Jeff Wilson or any of these guys, but they produced so many high quality running backs 
in this same sort of system over the years, both in Denver and here, uh, that really didn't do anything when they went anywhere else. Like it just shows that the it's a testament to their system and their development. Um, and I think that Mostert is kind of like the next in line for those guys. I hope that he's going to be here for a long time, and I think that he will. But I think that Mostert is the type of guy that they want. Like he's fast. He's a one cut runner. He doesn't dance behind the line, and he's decisive when he carries the ball. Like he doesn't. Like when, and I'm not in any way comparing most of the Terrell Davis, but I'm saying the style of running Terrell Davis was like a one cut and go guy, right? They love that pitch out to the, to the left and right, like the off tackle sort of plays. And he would pick a hole and basically he would hit it and he was gone. And that's kind of how most of it is, is that like, he's not, he's not going to mess around. He's going to hit a hole. He's going to run you over and he's going to run by you. So the fact that they were able to come to the resolution of the contract, like I, I, I do agree with that. Like at the beginning, I was like, oh, what's he doing? But then I realized all he wanted was just like to be equal with Coleman and they were able to do that through incentives. And that, and that's, that's, that's the case. And I'm totally fine with that. Uh, seeing how he just renegotiated his contract before the 2019 season. But then you, you kind of have this idea that you want your running backs to do everything. I feel like in a Shanahan offense, the running back is actually probably the most important position. Um, obviously, with George Kittle now that the tight end has kind of taken center stage, but in this offense, if you take the names and the Kittle production out of it, the running back is the most important position. And ironically, the running back is a position that they have a committee for. So they have a specific mindset of each one of the running backs should kind of have the same sort of skills in terms of being able to catch and run. And I think that's something they really missed last year because so much of what Kyle Shannon wants to do, as you mentioned before, is getting the ball in guys' hands and having them, pile up yards after carry Jer- Jerick McKinnon is a perfect example of that. The guy, like he's a, a, a yak monster. And, and when we get to the wide receivers, like Brandon, Ayuk is a yak monster, same with Debo, but this lens kind of credence to the idea that this is going to be a positionless offense. You'll have running backs lining up all over the field. Like in the super bowl, they activated all four running backs. They deactivated Dante Pettis. They activated all four running backs. And to me, they should have used them more uh, in things like just check downs and, the the route that Jeff Wilson wins on every time is that angle route that that he ran yeah. against the the Cardinals to to win the game. Yuschek um, ran the same route in the Super Bowl to get a touchdown. Jeff Wilson, right before the half, ran that same route to get that big twenty yard game that preceded the the Kittle play. And I think that that particular route kind of should be more of a staple of what the Niners do. But you have to have guys that can catch the ball. I don't think that they had that same trust in Breida because he was dropping balls and fumbling a little bit. And I think that. Uh, with Mostert, they didn't know what they had. So I think you'll see him catching the ball more out of the backfield. You'll see Jeff Wilson, a lot more of Jeff Wilson. They love him. He was a touchdown machine. He had five touchdowns last year in his limited time. And you'll see, I think, maybe less of Coleman, although he is a, a Kyle Shanahan guy from his Atlanta days, but you'll see less of Coleman, more of Mostert, more of Jeff Wilson, because Coleman is coming off the books this year as a, as a free agent. And I don't think that they're going to resign him. I think they'll probably roll with what they have. Jeff Wilson's on cheaper contract. Moster is making just as much as Coleman and McKinnon is basically on a, on a prove it deal. He restructured as well. So you'll probably see, I don't think Al, you're, you're not going to see a thousand yard runner out of this group. You'll see each of them. Like Moster may have like six to 700 McKinnon may have like 300 and Jeff Wilson may have like two to 300, right? They'll, they'll pile up the rushing yards as a group, but individually it'll be spread out. Um, and you'll see them catching the ball a lot more teams will key on Kittle. That opens up things for the running backs underneath. If you send Kittle over the middle, send a running back right behind him. And that running back would probably open just for a dump off. It's an easy five yards every time. So I think they'll see way more of that as well. Um, a lot of these guys on the field at the same time, 
I would love to see McKinnon and Mostert on the field at the same time in the package. Um, but we'll have to see. And, and obviously we're forgetting about Kyle use right? Like the ultimate kind of right. sure. Swiss army knife. Uh, he can, he can run, he can catch, he can block. Then the NFL is kind of going back to like a, uh, I guess if you want to call it uh, a situation where you have fullbacks, more teams are using them, but the Niners have the best one in the game. So that being said, like, I think the running backs are in good shape now. If, if McKinnon can stay healthy. I mentioned Coleman struggling a lot last season. I'll give you some context for that. He had that great game against Carolina. He had 11 carries, 105 yards, and three TDs in that game. Other than that, in the other 13 games, he had 126 carries for 439 yards. That's 3.48 per carry. And he actually had six games with two and a half, 2.5 yards per carry or lower. He struggled. Coleman struggled. So if he struggles again, I could definitely see those other guys jumping him, especially because he's in the last year of his deal. He definitely has something to prove this year again because uh, up in the playoffs, so we'll see, but, but he, he's going to have to pick up during the regular season too. So we talked about the receivers a little bit, and this, again, every year I'm saying the same thing. I'm concerned about the receivers. If there's one position group on the offense I'm really concerned about, it's that. And a lot of that has to do with Debo's injury. Debo could be out for the first four games. Just looks like that, that's going to be that way, and it's going to take him a little little while to get, to get into the swing of things with his foot. And like you mentioned, these receivers are going to be built on yards after the catch. And I mentioned about Garoppolo that this team is built for short passes run after the catch. Garoppolo was third in the NFL last year with 2,159 yak yards. Yak, yak, yak yards per completion was 6.6. That was the best. This team is built to run after the catch. Why they drafted Brandon Ayuk to run after the catch. He's perfect for that. Having said that, without Debo, have to worry about where the production is going to come from and how soon people can get going here. So the targets last year's aim for the receivers, D1, Emmanuel Sanders had 53, Kendrick Bourne had 44, Dante Pettis had 24, Goodwin 21, and Richie James had 10. This year, without Debo in there, without Sanders in there, you lose your top two targets for at least, well, Sanders obviously he's in New Orleans and then and Debo for the first month. Who is going to step up early in the season? And what is, is, is what I want to know. Debo not there. Is IU going to be ready from the word go? I don't know that. Kendrick Bourne, we know he's a good role player, but he's certainly not a number one. And then there's much. Is Trent Taylor healthy? Is Jalen Hurd healthy? Can these guys get up to speed? Jalen Hurd hasn't played a snap yet. Is, is Dante Pettis going to be the guy we saw towards the end of 2018 or the guy that disappeared last year? Tons of question marks there not. Am I right to be worried on this? I think so. I think there's a fair bit of concern here. Uh, I think that people are kind of underplaying it just because it's like, oh, well, we don't know what's going to happen with the season. If it's delayed, then Debo has some time. And honestly, like if the season does get delayed for whatever reason, that's not, that's not the worst thing in the world for the 49ers because then Debo gets some time to get back. And he's the clear number one here now with Emmanuel Sanders being gone. Like Debo's the clear number one receiver. And I'm not talking about pass catcher. I'm talking about out of the wide receiver group. We all know that Kittle's the number one pass catcher, but. Out of this group of players, a position grouping, Debo's the number one. Uh, after that, I would say you have Bourne, who's going to be the number two. And number three is, uh, I mean, I don't know if you start Ayuk right away, but he's going to be starting. And if he's not starting, then that's a huge problem because either he's been injured in training camp, knock on wood, hopefully he doesn't, or he's just not picking up the playbook as fast as he should be. We all know that Kyle's very particular about guys picking up the playbook uh, in in a very short uh, uh span of time. But I think that when it comes to everybody after that, 
I'm with you. They're all unknowns. And when you look at the receiver group on paper, in terms of and people people have kind of got on me uh, on me on Twitter about this in the past, but I feel like the Niners, specifically the receiving group, is more potential than production. And for that reason, like when they're ranked like number 25, 25 in the league by like Bleach, Bleacher Report or whatever, uh, in terms of the best the best uh, receiving core, the best receiving group. Like I, I kind of believe that I'm like, okay, well they haven't really accomplished anything. Like Bourne is the most accomplished receiver. And even he has, has not had uh, more than what five touchdowns in a season. So, and you're going to, I hope you're going to, you're going to correct me on that if I'm wrong about Bourne. Uh, but I don't think he's had more than five. I think he had five last year. I think uh, five's five is the most he had. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. So that being said, like Dante Pettis, the reason why he, he came off the field and the moment that it happened, I forget who posted it, but I saw that the, the moment that it happened was in the Carolina game. And Jimmy had Pettis open on a slant. Pettis ran a fantastic route, got open, and it was a touchdown. He's going to split the safeties and then basically score on a, on a, on kind of like a, a slant that turned into a skinny post. And Jimmy hits him right in the hands. It's an easy touchdown, a walk-in touchdown, and Pettis dropped it. And you can visibly see that Jimmy was upset um, when they panned to him. And Really, I think that they just lost confidence in him. Kyle. Like we know, we know this about him that he doesn't he he doesn't have he has a quick trigger. Like when he wants to pull people, and Pettis was unfortunately on the wrong side of that. And I and I hope that you're right that he can come back to beat the form of Pettis of, of from his rookie year. But we just don't know. Trent Taylor, fantastic option out of the slot, but you can't you can't throw to a slot receiver every down, right? Like that's not a dominant. And he hasn't type of played it two in two years. Exactly. So, you know, you can't just rely on it. Think he's going to come back in and ex- exactly. Jalen Hurd, Juwan Jennings, like awesome size, fantastic physical attributes. We saw a little bit of Hurd last year in the preseason, but that's all we saw. Um, he had an issue with his back, I believe, right? He broke his back and he never got back. So to me, like there's a lot, there's a lot of potential there, but there's a lot of potential for things to also go wrong there. So I'm kind of holding my breath here and I'm hoping that the addition of Jordan Reed and hoping that McKinnon coming back can give Jimmy some other options besides having to force feed it to his wide receivers. And you're probably going to see Kyle Shanahan band-aid this thing until Debo comes back and, mm-hmm. and, and until he can run his full offense. But the, the interesting thing is that when Ayuk got drafted, I said this about him, his skill set is very similar to, to, to Debo's. They're built a little bit differently. Ayuk has longer arms, he's a little bit more slender, and he's a little bit faster, but they're very good. They're both very good after the catch. Uh, they they both have very good hands. They both fight for the ball. You can line them up anywhere on the field. Like you can have these gadget plays, like these Debo reverses, things like that. You can do the same thing with Ayuk, and I think that that's the reason why they drafted him is because he's a perfect complement to Debo. It's like you have a bunch of guys that can do the same thing. You don't have to alter your scheme at all when a guy goes down. And that's what I said when he was drafted. And that's exactly what happened. Debo went down. You don't have to really alter your scheme for Ayuk because he does the same things. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm excited to see what they do. But I'm also very, very like apprehensive. I'm like, okay, well, who's Jimmy going to throw to? Dante Pettis, weeks 11 through 14 in 2018, had 26 targets, 17 catches, 338 yards, and four TDs in those four games. Where is that guy? Yeah. We saw it. Where, where is it? Does he not care? Is, is he aloof? Like, where is that guy? Because the Niners need him to start the They really do. That specific. You know, this anymore. Yeah. Sorry to, sorry to uh, jump in here, but the specific uh, game that I remember, Al, was the game in Seattle. It was his first game being back where he, where he played college and back home for him. And, you know, he went off for two touchdowns, 100-plus yards receiving. I think he had eight catches, six or eight catches. And he was, he was unstoppable in that game. And granted, yeah, the Niners were being blown out and everything. But still, like, he 
was playing like basically like I like I haven't seen him play since or before that. And I think that what David Lombardi said this uh, in a tweet earlier, I think it was last week I was reading, and he said that he wants Kyle Shanahan wants all of his receivers to be able to do everything. He wants them to be able to block as well. And the rumor was last year that Dante Pettis was not really interested in blocking. And that's kind of another thing that contributed to, I guess, him falling down the depth chart. But sorry, I just wanted to to, to bring that as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll see because hopefully he can step up and have a fire on him this year because the, Niner, the Niners do need him. But we'll see on the receivers, man. I'm a little bit nervous, but got to see how it plays out. In terms of tight ends, we talked about Jordan Reed. And all I guess this is going to be is us telling you how great George Kittle is. Because um, <laughs> yeah. I got some things that are just mind-boggling when you think about it. And before, before we get into it, let me just say, Zane and I are not going to spend 20 minutes on George Kittle's contract. Um, no. It's been talked about at nauseum. We think it's going to get done. The Niners may have to come out of their comfort zone a little bit to do it. If it becomes an issue, we will talk about it right now. We don't want to bore you guys with the same thing you've been hearing for the last month and a half. But we are going to say this about Kittle. He has done things in three years that have been absolutely unbelievable. So Zane, I'll quiz you a little bit here. Some of these answers are kind of obvious, but Kittle is obviously one of the answers. Only four 49ers have had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Kittle's one of them. You know the other, th- the other three? Uh, Rice, uh, T.O., and Bolden? Yeah, Anquan Bolden. Oh, nice. Kittle's okay. only awesome. the fourth person. <laughs> Kittle's only the... Who had a really good career for the Niners in a short time? Bolden, Bolden did great things for them while he was here. He did. He, um, was, he was one of my favorite 49ers. I loved having him here. Oh, he was, he was awesome. terrific. He was terrific. Yeah. Terrific. Um, but anyway, so only those four guys have done that. Terrell Owens, Jerry Rice, two of the top three to ever do it. Mm-hmm. And then Anquan Bolden is probably a Hall of Famer too. And George Kittle. Eight, okay, so multiple 85-plus catch seasons. 49er history, three people. George Kittle, and then the other two are... T.O. And, and Rice. And Rice. That's the company he's in after three years. T.O. and Rice, we're talking about him with, with things like that already. And he mm-hmm. also has the third most yards, receiving yards of any 49er after the first three years behind Rice and Dave Parks. So you're mm-hmm. talking historical things out of this guy. Historical that he's done. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And on top of that, he's the best blocking tight end in the league. He's like having another offensive lineman out there. And he was, he was what, seventh on the NFL 100? They ranked him the seventh best player overall. Yep. The guy is a generational talent at tight end. He's probably, and I love Frank Gore, but he, he is arguably, I'd say, the most dynamic offensive player, the best all-around offensive player they've had since T.O., right? I mean, I mean, he has to be. As much as I love Frank Gore, and I think Gore is a Hall of Famer, Kittle is the best player at his position. I don't know if, you could say Gore ever was. I'd have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Gore was always like one of the best backs, but you know, there's Adrian Peterson and guys like that. Um, but I think you could have said Teal was the best at his position, the most dominant. And you could say the same thing about Kittle. The Niners have a generational talent here at tight end, and it's it's fun to watch. Yeah. Like the the guys you just mentioned, they did it for like a long period of time. And guys have flashed, right? Like if you talk about, you know, in that time period, any any guys who have been the best at their position, like Vernon Davis was like the best for like a year. And mm. Colin Kaepernick was, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the league for like half of 20, 2012. But to do it year in and year out and not be a flash in the pan, I think that the, he was a fifth round pick out of Iowa, man. Like, come on. Like he was a, he was a, a 
blocking tight end coming out of that school. And they, they eventually found gold. And you and I talked about this when he was drafted and we're like, we really like him. We really like his speed. And I, we saw the measurables and we're like, this guy could be really, really good. And I think one of us called him was, was talking about him as, as a future star potentially. And that person was right. So whether one of us gets credit for that, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the credit for this one. We'll give you credit <laughs> for it. We'll, we'll give it uh, to you. I'll take it. <laughs> I don't remember who, who it was, but George Kittle, like you said, is, like we look at, okay, when, where is the next XYZ player coming from? Where's the next Tom Brady? Where's the next Barry Sanders? Where's the next Jerry Rice? Where's the next Rob Gronkowski? Where's the next generational sort of positional player? And you have one right here on the 49ers. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting because for the longest time since T.O. was here, you have not had one of those guys on this team. Like you said, Frank Gore is, I think, a, a really, really fantastic player and a future Hall of Famer and my favorite 49ers running back ever. Uh, shout out to Roger Craig as well. But he wasn't one of those guys that was like, okay, we have to, outside of 2006, when he had that huge year, 1,600 yards, he wasn't one of those guys like, oh, we, we have to account for him like every single time he you know, gets the ball. Um, he, was, he was basically accounted for because he was the best player on a really bad team. But George Kittle is the best player on a really good team. And that's, that says something. And I think that, like you said, we're not getting a contract. They're going to pay him. There's no way that you let a guy like this walk. Like You have the next incarnation of what Rob Gronkowski did for the Patriots. You have it here in San Francisco with what George Kittle is doing for the 49ers. In a cool, cool stat here, Kittle and Debo were only the sixth duo in Niners history to each gain at least 800 yards receiving in a season. Uh, Bolden and Davis did it in 2013. Rice and Owens, 98 and 2000. Rice and Taylor in 89, 91 and 93. Rice and Craig in um, 85 and Clark and Solomon in 81. So mm -hmm. it's cool to have those two guys. You know, you, you have two, you know, we got to wait a little, bit, a little while for Debo to get back on the field, but it looks like finally the Niners have a couple stars at the skill positions, which it's been a while. It's been a while since they had a couple guys you can hang your hat on for the next five years or so in, in those positions. So it's good to see. Zane, I'm also, I'm kind of really excited about this offensive line. I don't mm -hmm. think that's getting enough play. Um, that the Niners, I think, are, are going to be better there. And we love Joe Staley. Love Joe Staley. Joe Staley's an all-time 49er. But he probably, he was still very good last year, but I don't know that he was Joe Staley last year. And I think Trent Williams coming in is going to be an upgrade there. I, I do. Um, I think Trent Williams could just, you know, the, guy, the guy's a terrific tackle. And for the Niners, transition to Staley to him was a terrific move. You have Tomlinson, who's been really steady for this team. Brunskill, I think, is going to be an upgrade over pers person at guard. And then you have McGlinchey, who's continuing to grow. And even if Richburg at center takes time to, get, to, to come back, listen, they got to the Super Bowl with Ben Garland. Ben mm -hmm. Garland was the starting center, and, and he brought them to the Super Bowl. So, so this offensive line... And you really mentioned everybody. I know, I know there's more depth there too. And is it Compton? Is that the other guard they got from the Jets? Compton and, and name, I believe Compton. was it Sean Coleman as well, right? Or did he get released? Coleman, I, I think he's coming back too. Um, and then School, Justin School, who yeah. they had enough confidence in to put into the Super Bowl when yeah. Staley got hurt. So mm -hmm. this is a good offensive line. It really is. And you saw, listen, the Niners lost both their tackles last year, and then it was a beat. This mm -hmm. is a deep, good offensive line, and Trent Williams and, and Run school going in the guard, I think are going to make it better. It's, it's exciting. And I don't think enough people are talking about that with this team. Trent Williams is a top three tackle in the NFL. It's simple as that. Like he's still, even though he sat out last year, he's still a top three tackle. And uh, that's to the Niners benefit too. He doesn't have the extra wear and tear. He's, his body's fresh. His mind is fresh. He's ready to go. Like when you see pictures of him in the Niners uniform, which is by the way, awesome to see, because I never thought I'd see that. Cause I've always been a Trent Williams fan. 
But when you see pictures of him in Niners uniform, he's a gigantic human being. He's a big person. So yeah. now you have that protecting Jimmy Garoppolo's blind side. And I'm like, all right, good luck. And we don't know to what extent Joe Staley's injuries affected him. Like he was clearly hurt and he was playing hurt for a while. He was not the same Joe Staley we've seen, although he did make the all pro team and he did make the pro bowl. And like he did basically retire with, with those distinctions. Like he was not the same Joe Staley that we were used to seeing. He had the leg injury. He had what we now know as a neck injury. Um, and we basically, which forced him to retire. And to me, like I, as good as Staley did play, like he was clearly not hundred percent. Like the game he came back against Seattle clown, he just, he just totally bullied him uh, in the Super Bowl. He didn't play very well either. I feel like the neck injury was really getting him at that point. And there were times where McGlinchey as well. Like I feel like in, again in that Seattle game when he was also coming back from his from his uh, I believe he missed like a couple of games last year. I think right? Am I wrong? Am I lying? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Staley, right? Yeah, and then McGlinchey as well. He missed some time too, right? Yeah. Last year. Yeah. 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 yeah so right. McGlin- yeah. when they both came back, like they both were kind of rusty, and I think that when you have enough depth on the offensive line, like school, he started, he started games during the season for a playoff and Super Bowl contending team. Brunskill played fantastic. And I think that he should be the starting guard uh, over my, uh, well, Mike person's gone now, basically the Super Bowl cost him his job, but it's going to, it's going to be like Brunskill and, and they drafted uh was it? Colton McKivitz too, right? Yeah. And I think, I think Compton will be there right in there too with the. So I think that, th- when you have, and, and on the other side, obviously, Lakin Tomlins is kind of like the, the quiet contributor. He's, he's steady, like you said. And I think that with Rich Bird coming on, like he's missed parts of two seasons now with, with injuries. And I think that like at this point, you have to think about the contract and be like, all right, well, what are we doing here? Uh, can we get the same sort of production out of one of these younger guys? Really, like the offensive line is much better than, than it was in years past. You have a lot of depth. There are a lot of youngsters there. A lot of, uh, a lot of guys that, are kind of unheralded and really good. Again, like I, I go back to Dan Brunskill. Brunskill played fantastic in his limited time. And I felt like, to be honest, that he should have stayed at guard instead of bringing person back. Brunskill probably should have stayed at guard and who knows what, ha- what would happen in the Super Bowl. But to me, like when you have continuity on the offensive line, that's, and, and you give Jimmy time to throw, he's going to pick you apart. That's the biggest thing is that when, when you make Jimmy a statue back there and the rush is coming at him, and he doesn't have time to find anybody, it's not going to work out. So bringing in Trent Williams is, to me, the most, out of any team, the most underrated move of this offseason. Giving a third and a fifth to bring in a top three left tackle to protect Jimmy's blind side for at least a year, hopefully more. And solidifying that side of the line, to me, is the most underrated move in the NFL this year. Yeah, you, you, you spend a third and a fifth to get a left tackle like that. And I, I think I read somewhere there's some teams who actually trade two first-round picks for safety. <laughs> and think, teams that, that were apparently <laughs> they're apparently a safety away from winning the Super Bowl, right? That that's yeah, don't need a pass rush or protect their quarterback. Trade. <laughs> ridiculous! I think it's a ridiculous trade. Jamal Adams is good, but come on, two first round picks. Yeah, first plus, come on, plus a third, plus their other starting safety. Oh, so yeah, now you, you have. He's <laughs> not at Reed. You know, he's not going to change the game like that. I just don't. What was the Jets record with him? How many games the Jets win with him? 16, 15, something like that? Come on. Yeah. So here's the thing. Guess. It's funny because you, you open this up now. Now I'm going to talk about this because you opened this up. So <laughs> Jamal Adams, I love Jamal Adams. I thought the Niners should have drafted him instead of Solomon Thomas at the very outset of his NFL career. And, uh, you know, like when he went to the Jets, I was like, well, they're going to get a great player. And he turned out to be a great player. However, basically stomping and 
picking your way out of your current team onto a new team isn't a great look. It's not a great look for the locker room. It's like, okay, well, you know, will you do this to the same? Will you do this to the next team as well? So that part of it is kind of like questionable to me. I'm kind of glad that the Niners don't have that issue in the locker room. The other thing is he wants to be paid like a top safety. The Niners don't have the cap room to do that. I'd rather pay other guys on the front in the trenches to be able to do that. And the third thing is that Seattle got him and now they're uh, all of these publications are talking about Seattle is the best secondary in the league and all these guys, although their corners were terrible, Trey Flowers and um, uh, was it Griffin? They were among some of the worst in the league in terms of pass coverage. So they weren't, they weren't very good at all. Quandry Diggs, yes, he made a difference uh, when he came in from Detroit. And yes, he's a big hitter, but this is like almost like a four, six guy that you're asking to play like over the top safety. He's not fast enough to play that position, which mm-hmm. is exactly why I think they got DJ Reed is because I think that Quandre Diggs may, if Jamal Adams is playing the box, Quandre Diggs is not going to be in the box. They're going to put him up top and he's way too slow up there. He's going to be a total liability. So they're not going to be able to run a normal defense with both of those guys playing where they want them to play. And Quandre Diggs was, is probably going to have to come off the field at some point. So go ahead, put him back there as a, as a last line of defense and play center field. He's going to be far too slow to catch anybody back there. He's an in the box safety. You have two box safeties now. You have no pass rush. <laughs> your best your best pass rusher is Jadavian Clowney, who doesn't want to come back to Seattle uh, and who wants to get money and play for some other team. Um, your other best pass rushers were Ziggy Ansah and Dion De- Jordan, who's here now. And you have a group of players who have, I think, 72 total pressures amongst all of them. When Nick Bosa had like 109 or something like that by himself. So you can't like, it doesn't matter if you have Jamal Adams, if you can't get to the quarterback, it's not going to matter. So to me, go ahead make that trade, trade your draft capital away because you only have a limited amount of time with Pete Carroll as your coach. And you only have a limited amount of time with Russell Wilson as your quarterback before he starts declining. So that's fine. I'm not even worried about Seattle. Neither am I, neither am I not worried about Seattle, not worried about the Rams, a little worried about Arizona. They give the Niners fits. I don't know. They yeah. scare me a little bit, but I still think the Niners are going to be good. I still think they're going to Niners going to win their eleven ish games or whatever win that division. Oh, Russell, Wilson save, Russell Wilson, but we got to save um, your prediction though for the prediction show. Yeah, I won't make a prediction, <laughs> yet, but we'll see. So, how do we do, Zane? This first show back, you think you think we did? I felt rusty a little bit. Um, you know what? It's it's kind of like getting on a bike, right? Like it's it's like the first couple of rides are a little bit, um, you know. Uh, they're a little bit rough, but, but they can get better. So I, I think we do pretty well. It's nice to have you back. I'm really excited. A little bit rusty, but it felt good. Yeah. It's good to be back and, um, we'll get these shows going again. Maybe we'll get some guests on here again at some yeah, point. Absolutely. There's definitely some people I want, I want to talk to, um, have some ideas to get on here and stuff like that. Um, it was fun. We could talk to people from NFL network, and whatever else, but we'll see. Absolutely. We'll see what we can get together. So, um, you got anything else you want to add? No, man. Just, it's just awesome to have you back, man. I'm excited to, excited to be doing this again. I really am. Like I, I've been pumped about this all week since we talked about it. Um, and yeah. Uh, so I guess I'll hit him with the sign off, right? Like the, the That's old sign off. <laughs> all right. So for Al Sacco, welcome back, Al. For Al Sacco, I am Zane Nackby, and this has been another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. See you next time.